It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. What leads to a successful board investigation? Now that you have set your board of directors investigations protocol, we consider some of the key factors which will lead to a successful conclusion of a board-led investigation. Seven considerations for you to put into practice are as follows. Number one, consider whether you need independent outside counsel. The appearance of partiality undermines the objectivity and credibility of an investigation. That means you should not use your regular counsel. How can independent board members determine the need for independent counsel? Some of the questions to pose might include, did management, the board, or committees consisting solely of outside directors oversee the review? Did company employees or outside persons perform the review? If outside persons, what other work, if any, have they done for the company? If the review is conducted by outside counsel and management previously engaged such counsel, how long ago was the firm's last representation of the company? How often has the law firm represented the company? How much in legal fees has the company paid the law firm? Number two, consider hiring an experienced investigator to lead the internal investigation. You need to utilize specialized counsel in any serious investigation. If a board is leading an investigation, it is by definition serious. Your investigation needs to be led by a lawyer with significant experience in not only conducting internal investigations, but also have a strong background in criminal law or civil SEC enforcement and have substantive experience in the area of law at issue. Three, consider the need to retain outside experts. In any investigation, there will be the need for a wider variety of subject matter experts than simply a compliance professional. If there are accounting issues, forensic accountants might be needed. In this day and age, an electronic discovery consultant is often required and can be a cost-effective option for gathering and processing electronic data for review. And finally, an IT expert will be mandatory. Four, analyze potential conflicts of interest at the outset and during the investigation. There are two types of conflicts of interest which may come to light during an investigation. The first is one which comes up when the law firm or lawyers conducting the investigation or those whose prior legal advice has had some bearing on matters being investigated. During an internal investigation, however, lawyers may be hired and represent the board or its committee. The second occurs when a lawyer or law firm jointly represents the board and employees at the company as regulators have become increasingly concerned with joint representations creating a conflict of interest. The trickier question is what to do when there is simply a risk that representing one client could limit the lawyer's duties to another. So in these situations, joint representation may not be the best. That doesn't mean you can't have a joint defense agreement, but it does mean joint representation may be problematic. Five, carefully evaluate whistleblower allegations. Whistleblowers have become more important and taking their allegations seriously is paramount. This does not mean trying to find out who the whistleblowers are, 
punishing them or stifling them, or even if they're located outside the United States and may not have protection under these laws. Still, they can get hefty bonuses, particularly from the Securities and Exchange Commission. Regulators are very wary of boards that do not satisfactorily evaluate a whistleblower's complaint based on the perception of the whistleblower himself as opposed to the substance of the complaint. After Dodd-Frank, this can also cause additional problems for a company. Six, regular, excuse me, request regular updates from outside counsel without limiting the investigation. These types of investigations are long and very costly and can easily spin out of control. But trying to manage these costs, a board might be perceived as placing improper limits on the investigation. Your goal is to strike the right balance between the cost of the investigation, its thoroughness, and credibility. To do so, flexibility is an important ingredient. The scope of what to investigate is not a static one-time decision. The investigation can and usually does evolve. Number seven, consider whether an oral report at the conclusion of the investigation is sufficient. While there may be instances in which, due to the complexity and the nature of the allegation involved, a written report is necessary, there may be times when an oral report delivered to a board is better, as a written report may be easier to follow and appear to be the logical conclusion to an investigation. It is an expensive and time-consuming endeavor, and it comes with great risks. By keeping in mind the issues addressed above in this article and podcast, A board will be better prepared for the investigation and readily able to exercise good judgment throughout the review. A well-conducted investigation by the board may spare the company further disruption and costs associated with follow-on investigators by the regulators, shareholders, or at the very least, minimize the company's exposure. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, retain the right counsel. Obviously, there are many factors which go into um, the selection of the right counsel. Specialized counsel is critical, investigative specialized counsel, but also the types of experts needed to fully analyze, uh, uncover the facts, and then prepare for the remediation are critical as well. Consider the conflicts and even the appearance of a conflict of interest as the appearance of a conflict of interest can be as equally damaging as an actual conflict of interest itself. Remember, in the age of social media, it whatever decision you make is amplified throughout social media, and you need to be aware of that and cognizant of that in the selection of your counsel to investigate, your board-led investigation. Number two. Carefully evaluate all whistleblower allegations and reject retaliation. I would hope that that would go without saying, at least as to the second part, but you always have to remind people, do not retaliate. Do not retaliate in any way, shape, or form. You should carefully evaluate any whistleblower allegations and have a protocol for doing so. And finally, number three, consider receiving an oral report on an ongoing basis and one lengthy oral report at the end of the investigation as opposed to a written report. This is Tom Fox. I hope you will enjoy this month's offering on hotlines and investigations. A 31 days to a more effective compliance program. If I could ask you to do so, would you pass on to at least one person this podcast series on the nuts and bolts of compliance as I'm trying to expand my audience base for 31 days to a more effective compliance program. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow where I take up another topic in innovation in compliance. Thanks again for listening.
31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.